Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. In the studio this morning, we have IRS Special Agents Brian Watson and Mike Fleshman, and we're going to talk about cryptocurrency. I've I've had a lot of people ask me about it. I don't know anything about it. So, educate us. <laughs> what is a cryptocurrency? Uh, well, <laughs> right up to the mic. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a cryptocurrency is basically a, a virtual currency. So it's uh, it's everything on cryptocurrency is uh, through the uh, through the blockchain. And what is a blockchain? Uh, the blo- it's a it's a decentralized. Um, it's basically where all the uh, cryptocurrency is is stored. Um, like a bank? No, it's not a bank. No, it's de- it's a decentralized uh, where where crypto where it's where it's stored. So it's not a bank. So no one actually owns uh, no one actually owns the cryptocurrency. It's all it's a bunch of mathematical algorithms. Uh, so it's a bunch of mathematical alg- alg- algorithms that people do in order to uh, to associate the cryptocurrency. So there's a bunch of different types of cryptocurrency. There's over 19. Currently, there's over 19,000 cryptocurrencies with Bitcoin. <laughs> wow. Bitcoin is the largest one. Bitcoin has has over 46% of the uh, the market share currently. So Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency ever invented. Um, the first cryptocurrency transaction, the first Bitcoin transaction, was uh, was actually approximately 12. 12 years ago now. So it was May of May 22nd of 2010. It's known as uh as Bitcoin Pizza Day because on that day uh someone agreed to pay 10,000 Bitcoin for two Papa John's pizzas. <laughs> so if you do the math today, um at the time, at the time Bitcoin was only worth it was worth less than half a cent per Bitcoin. So it was worth approximately 0.004 cents per bitcoin so ten thousand bitcoin at that point in time was worth about 41 dollars so the guy basically he said you know he reached out he was a a florida man and he reached out and he said hey i'm willing to pay ten thousand bitcoin for two papa john's pizzas and uh and i wanted a little bit left over for the next for the next day and so what pizza or bitcoin for pizza yeah (laughs) he wanted some left over for the next day so he he agrees to pay ten thousand bitcoin for two two large Papa John's pizzas, one top pizzas, and uh, and today you know, and I haven't checked the price of bitcoin today, but I think it was around thirty thousand dollars. So today, those ten thousand bitcoin would be worth over thirty million dollars. So the price of bitcoin has fluctuated. Uh, you know, when I first started working these types of investigations. Bitcoin and crypto Bitcoin like I said is the largest is the largest cryptocurrency um it's the most well known it was the first ever cryptocurrency and at the time when we started working these investigations uh you know Bitcoin was about $300 $300 of Bitcoin so wow and I think I think at that point a lot of us thought you know who's who's paying for this virtual currency that you can't like you said, you can't actually physically hold. It's all on this decentralized network, which is known as the as the blockchain, um, which is basically a bunch of you know mathematical algorithms, which I can't even explain. But basically, in order for the blockchain to work, there needs to be three con- three confirmations in order for the transaction to work. The three confirmations being these mathematical algorithms, which are which then are. Uh, which are then, you know, it's on this blockchain, and the blockchain is readily available. So you can actually go back, 
to blockchain.org and you can see the first ever Bitcoin transaction. The problem for us as, as in law enforcement is we don't often know who is associated with those transactions. So unless unless you know one half of the transaction. So people often ask ask us, is cryptocurrency anonymous? Well, we would say that cryptocurrency is what we'd call pseudo anonymous because if we know if we know one half of the transaction, then we have ways that we're able to possibly figure out who's involved in the other half of the transaction. No, because if I buy something and I use my credit card or even you know my bank, my debit card, I know the bank or the store and I just had a transaction. So with Bitcoin, you can't do that. So if you you can buy something with Bitcoin, you can. Uh, there's a lot of different businesses that accept it. Now they don't. They like Starbucks, Home Depot, Whole Foods. Now what they do is they accept it through a third party. So the third party will be the one that's. And you don't see any of this, right? You would see. And the way the way you do Bitcoin or cryptocurrency transactions is it's all through a QR. A lot of it's through a QR code. So you can hold. You can hold your Bitcoin on your phone. You can hold your Bitcoin on a paper wallet, like a piece of paper. You can hold uh, your Bitcoin on a thumb drive. So there's a lot of different ways that you can hold. Most people would hold. Most people, you know, would have a have an app. There's tons of apps on your phone where you can have Bitcoin. How do you trust them? How do you How do you know? You know, well, it that, sounds like it's a like an escrow company when you're doing a transaction with. A mortgage and you're buying a house, an escrow company is the third party that makes sure everything is so right. And that's the thing. That's where all of this is then recorded on the block on the blockchain. So like when we do transactions and in undercover operations and things like that for work, we you know, we would know the other half of the party, but we still have to sit there until these three confirmations, these three transactions say that the transaction is actually complete because if you were to leave right then someone could cancel that transaction then you're you're right you're out that you're out that money but there has been a lot of and we've had cases where there has been a lot of these cryptocurrency um exchanges who have just shut down and basically taken everyone's money so it is i mean you do have there is some how do you buy a bitcoin you need real money correct like, you know, real money, like green things. Yeah. So there's multiple ways. Yeah. <laughs> How do you buy a Bitcoin? How do you buy a Bitcoin? There's multiple ways to purchase to purchase Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So, um, you, for instance, you can do it on a cryptocurrency exchange, so such as Coinbase, which is a publicly traded company now. So you go on Coinbase. Now, somebody like uh, a company like Coinbase is going to charge you one, one to two percent to purchase Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency. So you would actually provide them with your bank account information. You provide them with, you know, a picture ID and things like that. So for us as law enforcement, if we know that, you know, that's a place that we can subpoena. You can also buy it peer to peer, right? So you and I can go meet at a Starbucks. You have Bitcoin because you've purchased it in the past through Coinbase or through somebody else. You and I can meet at a Starbucks or, or McDonald's, and I show up. You don't know my name. I don't know your name, or we use pseudonyms. And we have, you know, and I think Brian's going to talk about a case later that we've worked at, one of the cases that I worked in that went to trial. And uh, 
and, and basically you show up at a corner, I give you a thousand dollars, two thousand. We've done transactions all the way up to a hundred thousand, where I give you the cash, you give me the Bitcoin. We sit there, we talk, we you know we we do you know we have some communication, we talk, and then um, we wait for those three confirmations. How long does that take? It takes anywhere probably, and it could take anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour. It just depends on how busy the crypto market is at the time. And where are these people located that are that are doing the transactions? Th- all, that are confirming? All over the world. Yeah, I mean, it's basically that these people have, I mean, there's cities that are set up to run these Bitcoin transactions. Um, the people, I've heard of stories where people... They found an apartment that had free electricity, and they set up just a ton of computers in order to run these transactions. Because the first, the fastest person to run the transactions is the one that gets. Because all the they're called miners, and the miners are the ones that end up. The, they mine the Bitcoin, and, and then and then they confirm these transactions. And so the, the the people that confirm the transactions get a piece of of the pie, so to speak. So they get. So they're in a hurry to confirm this correct. transaction. Yeah. So they get a piece of piece of that. So that's like an escrow company. They get a piece of yeah, it too. Yeah, yeah. So that's how my mind is working right now. Yeah. So. So, so they get a piece of piece of it. Basically, like you said, it's like an escrow company. So they get a cut of the of that. Are um, they insured? No. Uh, no. There's no guarantee. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. This is these, that's the thing with when licensed? you when you buy virtual when you invest in virtual currency. When you buy crypto, you know, it's um, you're, you're taking there's a risk, you know, it's not FDIC insured. And that's why a lot of people stay away from it. You know, and as we were talking off the air beforehand, you know, Mike and I have been investigating for a long time. When we first came on as special agents, this stuff didn't exist. So right. we had to learn how to investigate it. And it's probably for me, I'm eligible to retire. It's probably the thing that's going to push me out the door because it's just <laughs> I, I don't head around it, you know, I, I've listened to Mike a few times and, and I learn stuff every single time. But, um, I want, you know, from a special agent's viewpoint, law enforcement, I'm, I look at the dark net and virtual currency and things like that, things we're talking about today. And I just look at it as, in almost a, in a negative way, just because I know criminals can use this for the anonymity. But the one thing that we're going to stress today, and Mike's going to talk about, cryptocurrency is totally legal. And it, it's it's option it's just another option to buy, purchase, invest, and things like that. Um, we just see it. At, you know, sometimes I'm a little jaded just from my viewpoint, knowing that criminals a lot of this in some of the cases I'm going to talk about later, the criminals use this stuff because it's more anonymous. But we certainly don't want to discourage anybody out there to, to even give it the implication that it's it's illegal. It's it's you know what's behind what are you buying and selling makes things illegal. It sounds like a great way to scam people. Well, here's the other thing, you know, and Mike can double back me up on this. Um, I recently found out about a romance scam up in northern Arizona, and this lady lost basically three quarters of a million dollars, and her so-called online boyfriend wanted her to invest in Bitcoin or some other virtual currency, and she was going into a, a store that had one of these Bitcoin ATMs where she was feeding cash into it, and she was provided with the QR code. So she scanned the QR code and put money into this ATM, and she basically lost her house and her life savings. And she 
For an she, online boyfriend? Yeah, and she was told she Wouldn't was investing. Wouldn't do that for a real-life boyfriend. Exactly. We see that a lot, though. We <laughs> see that a lot where people mm -hmm. are, you know, I know we have cases all throughout the country where th these romance scams and people are sending money, whether it be whether it be Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. I have also seen them where people, where these scammers have asked for Amazon or Apple gift cards. So that's another way that they can... They can scam it where the where the victim will go out and buy these gift cards and then provide the numbers to the scammer and that money's lost. So wow. But this, so this lady put all this money in there. She was thinking she was, had control, but she had no control over the account because the QR code, basically where the money was, the account where it was going to, it, the other guy had control of it. So it was it's tragic. So that's and why. And is there a way to find him? So. We found out that um, I reached out to um, the FBI, to their cyber people, and found out they had an active case. Sometimes we might have an active case, or maybe HSI, maybe a locals, but um, we do a little deconfliction within law enforcement because you don't want two agencies investigating the same case. But we found out that there was an ongoing case, so we provided the information to them. And uh, it makes their case stronger, and hopefully we'll yeah, get the bad guy. But there's no guarantee. It's, you know, sometimes they say we only catch the dumb criminals, and because um, the really really good people, we don't even know about. But yeah. but we have we do have some success stories for sure. Wow. So you, I mean, one question, and I don't think I, I fully answered it, but you asked how we can obtain Bitcoin. So I right. think Brian Brian alluded to it too that you know in that case. You know, there's also so you can mine it, which I talked about earlier with these mathematical algorithms. No, you I'm say mine it. I'm thinking, you know, the hard hat, the no, pitchfork. No, no, no. <laughs> it's know? just a bunch of computer mathematical algorithms in order to mine it. So you, we, you can do that, and then these miners are also the ones that confirm these transactions when we're doing these these deals. Um, you can do the exchanges, like I said, with Coinbase. So they charge you know anywhere between one and two percent, uh, where you have to provide, you know. PII, so your your you know your information, so your hey here's my bank account here and, and things like that to to something like Coinbase. Um, you can do that peer to peer exchange where they charge anywhere. Between, so you and I meeting at a Starbucks would be considered a peer to peer exchange, uh, and they charge anywhere between eight to ten percent. So they charge you more for for being anonymous, yeah, because you and I don't have to provide each other any names or any. You know, information about who we are. All we have to provide, like, like we, like Brian was saying, is all you have to provide is, is the QR code. Hey, here's the cash. I give you my QR code. We do the transfer. We wait that 10 to 10 plus minutes for the confirmations to take place on the, on the blockchain. And then our deal is done. Um, and then we've also seen some funny stories. Like there was someone, uh, back in 2013 on ESPN college game day. Got, oh, yeah. The kid held up a sign that said, Hey mom, send money. Had the, had the Bitcoin symbol, had the QR code, and and he ended up getting because people would pause the TV and they'd scan the the QR code that was there. And this kid ended up getting 22 Bitcoin, which you do the you know do the math, it's six hundred thousand dollars today. So <laughs> so there's so that's just one other way that we've seen. Um, there's also uh you know soon thereafter, I believe in December of 2013. Uh, a news anchor on MSNBC was talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and he, with cryptocurrency, you have you have two you basically have two QR codes. You have your your private key, 
which is basically like your bank account information. So that's something you don't want to share. And then you have your public key, um, which is the one that you and I, if we do a transaction, we would share. And this news anchor shared his private key. And so someone paused, paused the TV and stole. Luckily only had like $20 in there. And he, and he played it off and said, well, this was a, a good learning experience and for all of us and to show you what not to do with cryptocurrency. But if he had, if he had a hundred thousand in that account, someone could have taken it, wiped him out. Absolutely. Correct? Right. So yeah. you have to be very careful. It's almost like using Venmo or Zelle or something like that where you have a, an account number, but you would never want to give out your password. Correct. Is that a more of a layman's term to explain it? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, so giving out your private key is basically like giving out your password to your account. Exactly. My head's ready to explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if, if you're listening, you have any questions, the number is 790-2040. I'm just stunned at <laughs> all of this. So, if you have a QR code, isn't that always connected with a bank account? So the Q, so your QR code would be connected to your cryptocurrency wallet, which is what you would have either on your phone or on paper. Okay. So that's not, that doesn't have anything personal attached to it. Um, or do you set up a specific checking account or, or bank account that is just for cryptocurrency and, and it doesn't commingle with your real life? So it's it is a separate account. No, it would be a set. It would be a separate account. So, like if you have a if you have an account with Coinbase, I mean you're going to have your you know your bank account, such as like your Wells Fargo, your Bank right. of America account. That's going to be completely separate than your than your cryptocurrency account. But you can hold crypto in a lot of different places. So you can hold. I mean, for instance, there's a lot of uh, like Robinhood. I don't know if you've heard of Robinhood. Is is one of these online brokerage accounts where you can buy. And I know Robinhood got... It was in the news a lot recently with the whole... Um, with a bunch of different stocks, these these mime stocks where people were buying stuff and it was going going crazy like GameStop and, and AMC. Right. Yeah. So Robinhood is a place that you're able to hold cryptocurrency. So... And like, like we said, cryptocurrency in itself inherently is not legal. I mean, I hold some cryptocurrency. I mean, not, not a lot. I wish <laughs> I did, but... Um, I wish I would have gotten into it back when we first started working these cases and Bitcoin was at $300 a Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I do hold some cryptocurrency. Um, and where do you hold it? I actually have some at Robinhood. I have some at SoFi, which is another one of these online Are brokerage they, accounts. S- how do you, S-O-F-I. how do you know who to trust? With this, well, I, I mean, it just sounds like everything is so new. I've never heard of this Robinhood thing. How did you know to trust Robinhood? Well, I think it's just like like anything, like any stock. You just have to be willing to risk take it risk. and take the risk. Yeah. So if you're going to buy crypto, you have to be able to like buying stock. You have to be willing to lose that money. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's so, and the, the crypto markets, are, I think, are a lot more volatile than the stock market. So I mean. To give you an example, I mean, in 2020, Bitcoin traded as low as 40, 4, 000, a, little, a little over 4,000, so 4,100, and then it reached, then that's in 2020, and then it reached an all-time high in November of 2021 of almost 69,000, so a little over 68,000, and then like I said today, you know, it's trading around 30 to 40,000, but it's so volatile 
you know, if I knew which way, I think if we knew which way it was going, we'd be, we'd all be. You don't have a crystal ball. I wish I did. Well, <laughs> but I wish I did. If, if I did, I would have bought it well, when it was at. And then people, three hundred. Uh, Mike, do in, does anybody out there recommend the dollar cost averaging, where you buy a little bit at a time, or is that's just not even a thing with crypto? That's what I was doing. You know, when I was buying it, I I was buying you know I don't know ten dollars because you can buy as little. You don't have to buy one bitcoin. You can buy a fraction of a bitcoin. So through, and I think the reason why I chose to buy it through some of these places was because. You could buy five dollars. You could buy ten dollars worth of Bitcoin. I mean, I bought, you know, I bought another one of these meme meme coins, Dogecoin, which I don't know if you've heard of Dogecoin, but Dogecoin was something that was touted by you know by uh, Elon Musk. So Dogecoin was was one of these other ones that was under a penny for a long time, and a lot of the guys that Brian and I work with, I told them I bought Dogecoin, and they made fun of me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was buying it like half a cent or point zero zero three, so, you know, a third of a cent, basically. And when Elon Musk started toting it and he went on, uh, he went on Saturday Night Live, uh, Dogecoin went all the way up to 69, 70 cents, somewhere around there. Now, granted, I should have sold it, but I didn't at the time. And now I think it's around eight to 10 cents. But, I mean, my, my cost is, you know, less than half of about half a cent per, Per coin, so I think like anything else, I think like any stock, you know, you have to be willing to take that to take that risk. Um, and so, like you said, Brian, is it a way to diversify? I think it's just another way to, yeah, it's another way to diversify and, um, you know, and and buying something that maybe you know can even diversify your portfolio in some ways, you know, something else other than stock or other than real estate. So, so when you say cryptocurrency. That's like saying Kleenex. There's all these different brands of Kleenex. Crypto is just a type of thing. And there's all these different brands of cryptocurrency like right. Bitcoin. Right. So it's like so Kleenex is a brand of facial tissue. But it's it's kind of generic because people will say Kleenex and you've got puffs and you've got, you know, all these different brands of Kleenex. So right. crypto is like that. It's like Okay, here's a crypto currency, but you've got Bitcoin, you've got whatever this drudge thing is, you've got different brands. Yes. Yeah, so so in total currently, and this is always fluctuating, there's over 19,000 cryptocurrencies. 19,000? 19,000, Oh, I thought you said 19. No, 19,000. 19,000. Yeah, 19,000. Now, when I did this presentation, (laughs) when I did this presentation a few months ago at, at U of A, I think there was, I think I looked and there was over 22,000. So now some of these, because just they die off, they don't get, you so know, when no they one, die off, no you lost invests, your money. Inve- yeah, nobody invests in them. Um, with, but the thing is, keep in mind that Bitcoin is the largest out of all of them. So Bitcoin currently, and I just checked, and, and keep in mind the crypto market currently, I just looked, is, is about 1.2 trillion dollars. But when we did this presentation, Brian and I did a presentation at U of A a couple of months ago. It was one point eight trillion dollars. So it's a very yeah. It the, the but the stock market's also fluctuated during that same time. But the crypto markets are are fluctu- They just fluctuate a lot. So um, yeah, no nineteen thousand total cryptocurrencies currently out there. Um, and that's why to discuss each and every one of those would take us 
you know. A while. Yeah, a while, yeah. And so, you know, we tend to, when we do these presentations and stuff, we tend to stick to to Bitcoin just because it's the most prevalent one out there and the one that's okay, most Okay, but the ones acceptable. that you investigate are the ones that aren't so popular that are maybe being used for scams? Well, we don't investigate the, the virtual currency. We investigate the criminal who might just be having use to use it. And we're not, the crime is, you know, the underlying crime. They're stealing stuff from people. They're doing investment scams. They're selling narcotics. They're, there's a whole variety of things that people do out on the dark net. And a lot of times they just so happen to be using uh, some cryptocurrency because that's the main way of buying and selling things on the dark net. So. Okay, we're going to take a break right now. And I'm going to try to wrap my mind around all this. And we'll be back in a few. Stick with us. <laughs> okay, we're back. I think I'm okay. We have in the studio special agents uh, from the IRS, Brian Watson and Mike Fleischman. We're talking about cryptocurrency. And we're going to talk about the dark web. Tell me everything you know about the dark web. All right. Um, yeah, so the dark, so the dark web. So, uh, you know, I think, I think the reason why a lot of these cryptocurrencies really started to take off was because of the dark web. And, and the dark web is a place, um, basically where, I mean, there's just a ton of stuff available on, on the dark web. So the dark web is, it's only accessible through a certain browser, which I would not recommend, uh, I would not recommend downloading, but, but it's the Tor browser. So, which is that the, what this is? The TOR? TOR, yeah. So TOR, Tor Browser, stands for the Onion Router. And basically, the reason why they call it the Onion Router is because it's, it's layered. So, for instance, if we're sitting in, if we're sitting in Tucson, Arizona, um, the Onion Router will take us through three different hops before coming out to our destination site. So, for instance, if we're in Tucson, the, our, our initial IP would would show Tucson, but then it might go through three foreign countries before going out to the wherever we are. So, for instance, we've done this presentation in in uh, in, in certain colleges and so on and so forth, and we can show that you know I'll pull up I'll I'll just pull up like USA Today, for instance, as a website, and it'll show that we it'll actually bring up the international edition to USA Today, even though we'll be sitting in Tucson, Arizona, because of those three. Hops because it kicks us out looking like we are coming from a foreign country. So now that's not always the case. And then that path changes every 15 minutes or you can change it whenever you want. So, um, in order to access the dark, dark net or the dark web, it does require, uh, it requires, you know, special software running on your computer, which I said, which would be the tour, the tour browser. Um, which uses encry- encryptions and proxies and these relays that I was talking about, these three specific relays. Um, and, and the Tor, the Tor, the Onion Router is very different than our ClearNet. So our ClearNet, you know, we, if we want to go to Google, we type in www.google.com. When we're, when we're going different places on Tor and on, or on the dark web, it's just gibberish. It looks like my five-year-old basically jumped on my computer and, <laughs> and typed hit, a bunch of stuff <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Um, and how we access it or how we find it, there's certain websites out there that you can actually figure out, you know, and you do a copy and paste job into Tor to figure out where to go because it's 
It's just a bunch of gibberish dot dot onion because they call it the onion router because it's got all these all these layers. Um, and you can go through these three different hops, which continue to always change. Um, so, and what's available on the dark web? There's just a ton of a ton of bad stuff, I would say, that's available on the dark web. Um, you can actually buy a hitman on the dark web. You can buy drugs. <laughs> uh, you can buy porn. You can actually buy an NFL Sunday ticket. John's for, taking notes for five for five dollars. Um, so, and there's a lot of stolen identities, social security numbers, and thing and things like that. So it's 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 a haven for identity thieves as well because they can go on a dark website and just buy someone's identity, fake IDs, or just thousands of them. It's unbelievable. Okay, we have a caller, Mark. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, I'm I'm Mark. I live in a nursing home. Okay, and I was listening to your program, and then came the nurse. And she was, you know, giving me my pills and everything. And I told her I was listening to, you know, about crypto coins. So I asked her, I said, have you ever heard of crypto coins? She said, yes. And get what? She brought $1,000 worth of crypto coins. Uh, you know, I just find that rather ironic. And she told me that she, she brought it and then it went down. And she almost sold it, and it was worth four hundred thousand dollars. Wow! But she kept it too long. And then, she kept it too long, and then it went down. Yeah. Yeah, then it went way down. But I just thought, I thought, who would buy crypto coin? Here comes this nurse. <laughs> I told her what I was listening to, and she says, "Oh yeah, I got some. I just spent a thousand dollars a couple of weeks ago, and then it went up. I almost went up to four hundred, and I thought, I'd have sold it." Sell it? Sell it in a heartbeat. I just thought you would find that interesting. <laughs> that is oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you have, everybody's buying it, apparently, except for me, because I don't get it. Yeah, well, that. Thank you for listening, Mark. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like the that's like the, the Dogecoin that I bought. So I think I put $100 into it, and at one point, you know, it was worth, I think, 7000 yeah. But it's not worth that today. But you know, like like you said, I should have sold it. But but I didn't. But maybe it'll get better. Yeah. So on the dark web. So the darks, yeah. So the dark web. So the surface web that we know of, our Googles, our Bings, our USA Today's, ESPNs. That makes out. That makes up about ten percent of the internet that we know. The rest of this stuff is the deep web, and the dark and the dark web. So. The deep web, for instance, is is your legal documents, your do, your university documents, and then, you know, so so and then the dark web is is what we are talking about today. So that's where you can go on, you know, via the tour the tour browser, and you can do, you know, you can buy, like I said, all this stuff that's that's pretty bad. I mean, you can you can buy, you know, we've seen where you can buy an email bomb, which basically, and it's really cheap. And uh, you can basically just email bomb somebody's account. So they'll send, you know, 20,000 emails to somebody's account and just <laughs> bomb their, their account. Um, Is that where the, the lady found her boyfriend on the dark web? No, unfortunately. No, the, the, the scam I talked about earlier, the romance scam out of northern Arizona, she was actually on one of these dating sites and, and, and just which is the surface web, which is the clear web, I mean, which is anybody has access to. And then, but it just so happened, the scammer, the way he wanted to steal from her was to basically entice her to invest, 
so it would be for both of them. Let's invest. Let's invest money. But really, he was just taking the money. That just it just and after so many so many reports and shows and TV and radio and and newspaper telling people don't do it, people still do it. It just mind boggling. Yeah, and getting back to what Brian was saying, those those full identities on the dark web, you can actually buy those for a dollar. So when that's somebody's full identity, so social security number, name, address, the date of birth. The whole, the whole shebang, yeah, for for a dollar. So and now is that a dollar crypt coin, crypto coin, or Bitcoin, so everything? So mo- <laughs> the, so everything on these dark websites is usually listed in in United States or British currency, uh, and so. But then they also give you the the amount of Bitcoin that you have to pay because all of these all the transactions occur via Bitcoin. Okay. And or some other cryptocurrency. Okay. So name some of the other cryptocurrencies. Well, like, for instance, Dogecoin is another cryptocurrency I've talked about a little bit today. Um, Ripple, Ethereum, Monero, which is which is a pretty scary one for us as in law enforcement because it's got a built-in mixer inside What's of it. What's that mean? Uh, built-in mixer. So basically, if the three of us here have, uh, have Monero... It'll take it and basically mix it up so we don't so we don't know who so we have and for us we have certain ways that we can trace certain cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. um, for instance like Bitcoin and some of the others but with Monero if they if they take it and they mix it up it's very hard for us to trace it because we don't know whose Monero is whose okay so yeah so that makes it very difficult for for us because it's got like a built-in internal mixer. So, well, so like is I, that legal? Well, I mean, inherently, none of this stuff is. No cryptocurrency is illegal. So, like monopoly money, right? Right. So, I mean, owning owning Bitcoin, owning owning any of these cryptocurrencies is not illegal. What we've talked about, though, is like Brian's saying, it's a lot of this stuff. People will use this on these these darknet websites. And that, that's the, the illegal part of it. So, and also the use, correct. Well, and also the use, they use it to, uh, for money laundering. So it's all, like anything, it can be used for money laundering, but you know, you can use anything for money laundering. You can, you can use artwork for money laundering. So it's just another form of, it's another way to launder Money. money. Yeah. So tell me about some of the cases you've you've uh, had. Yeah. So, so these are some national cases, um, Silk Road. This was a a dark website back that the government took down in 2000. It was actually created in 2011 by a guy named Ross Ulbricht, whose nickname was Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, it was taken down by federal law enforcement in October 2013. So this was one of the first really big darknet sites. Um, it was... The uh, Mr. Ulbrich was sentenced to life in prison. This and forf- ordered to forfeit 183 million dollars. Silk Road was a site that was used by thousands of drug dealers and other vendors, basically to sell unlawful goods and services and to uh, launder hundreds of millions of dollars. And they were using a Bitcoin paid payment system basically that concealed identities and um so that was one of the first sites but here's the deal sherry when federal government takes down one of these real the big site someone else is going to fill their place so the next one the one of the next big ones that came up was one called alpha bay 
Alpha Bay was a site on the dark online dark web. Um, it had when it was taken down, it had two hundred fifty thousand dollars listing or two hundred fifty thousand listings for illegal drugs and toxic chemicals, and then also a hundred thousand listings for stolen and fraudulent documents. It's just someone actually, you know, they call these sites Craigslist for criminals. You know, so of course Alpha Bay was taken down, and then it's and somebody then it, else. Someone will place. repeat it, and then one of the more recent cases that we had. This was from October uh, 2019. It was a, a site called Welcome to Video. Mike was actually had a, a small involvement with it. A lot of us did. I mean, he he helped out on one of the locations out in Arizona, but in. In, in 2019, Welcome to Video was the largest child sexual exploitation market on the on the internet, and the guy that was running it was this guy named Jong Woo Sun, a 23 year old from South Korea. He was indicted along with over 300 other individuals, both internationally and in the United States. At the time, they had over 250,000 unique videos, and this was all child porn. And this was the, even the scariest part: 45 percent of the videos were unique basically so this site wasn't just a site that housed child porn but it was actually a site that encouraged people to upload child porn create and upload new child porn and then they would basically get um, money and credit on the account so and they used bitcoin and 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 that's how it worked but okay this, you said that he went he was in prison for life is he in prison in america or in South Korea. But no, no, no. So the first guy I mentioned was Silk Road. That was Ross Ulbricht. That, so he, he went to prison for life. That was Silk Road. That was the first really big sites that I was talking about. So the last one I just mentioned was Welcome to Video. It was basically the world's largest child porn site. And it was, and IRS was involved along with multiple federal agencies and obviously the the uh, department of justice it, it when when the, a big case like this goes down it takes a lot of different agencies and a lot of different a lot of different cooperation and it, it's an unbelievable amount of work and we we take them out prosecute people and discourage others from doing it but then unfortunately Somebody someone else it. is going to they're going to fill that vacuum why because there's a lot of money to be had it's sick that's pretty sick so do you, how do you arrest him? Is it failure to pay taxes or, you know, how does that work? So, you know, it, 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 it just depends. Like, let's say that first case, the Silk Road case, uh, Mr. Ulbrecht was found guilty of numerous things, including distributing narcotics, engaging in a criminal enterprise, um, conspiracy to commit computer hacking, also conspiracy to commit money laundering. Mike had mentioned money laundering. Whenever IRS is involved, we basically need one of two charges. We either need a tax charge or we need a money laundering charge. And then for money laundering, you have to have a specified unlawful activity. Well, in this case, it's easy to find stuff because he's involved in drugs and all kinds of other, you know, false documents and weapons and all kinds of illegal stuff going on. It's dirty money. So for us, our agency to get involved, either tax or money laundering charges. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a lot to do. And how many different do you work with? All the different agencies, or or Mike? Could let, Mike can handle FBI? this better because Mike, I actually have never worked any dark net cases or anything involving cryptocurrency. But when Mike was a special agent, that's what he 
primarily did. Mike is now a supervisory special agent, so he oversees agents doing this stuff. But I, Mike can answer yeah, so, that better. Yeah, no, so we work with a lot of different agents. It really just depends on the case. So a lot of these, if we're working a drug case, for instance, you know, we're working with DEA. Uh, but, I mean, I've worked cases with FBI, DEA, Postal. Well, I, mean, you I was kinda, thinking, you like, name it. foreign agencies. Do you work with law enforcement in different countries? Correct, yeah. Okay. And that really just depends on the case, too. So uh, a few years ago, I was actually selected. I was supposed to go over to the Netherlands for a six-month assignment as our acting cyber attache. Unfortunately, due to COVID, that didn't happen. Um, but... But, yeah, so I made a bunch of contacts. I was actually supposed to sit at Europool, so I was able to make a bunch of contacts. And then we also have agents that are located all throughout the world. So we have attachés in different parts of the world that we, you know, their job is to basically interact with foreign law enforcement. But we do have ways to get some of this information um, from foreign from foreign countries. It's through our MLAT process, so it's a mutual legal assistance treaty between the U.S. government and the government or and the foreign government in order to get some of this information such as bank accounts and and so on and so forth and other other financial assets. So sometimes we'll get that information, sometimes we won't. It just really depends on the country. Um, yeah, but we do, do work, work with, with foreign all countries or are there countries that won't work with you? Yeah. There's there's countries that won't work with us. So and and some of this stuff, you know, it's we get back very quickly if we ask them and other countries maybe we'll see it, maybe we won't. So it really just depends on on the country. Name a country that won't work with you. <laughs> oh, there's there's quite a few. I don't want to get myself <laughs> okay, in trouble. Okay, that's all there. right. No, we don't want to get anybody fired here. <laughs> so if somebody wants to invest, how would you tell them what steps should they take to protect themselves, knowing that it's a risk? What steps should they take to protect themselves if they want to get started? Well, I mean, I'll just tell you, you know, what I what I've done, and so I mean, I've gone, like I said, I've there's different apps out there that you can that you can use to that that'll sell that sell stock and sell um, cryptocurrency. There's also a lot of ETFs, uh, exchange traded funds that you can purchase uh, cryptocurrency through. So, and there's a lot of there's actually a lot of mutual funds now that I know of that are starting to hold. So cryptocurrency. These... So I would just do my I would just do my research, you know, and just with the understanding that that look you could lose it all tomorrow. I mean some of some of the guys that I work with were telling me, you know, that and I don't fully understand some of this stuff, but they were saying that, you know, you could do this with your coin and stake your coin here and they're paying, you know, seven hundred thousand percent interest and I'm like, How is this even po- possible? possible? So, you know, I think I think if this is something that is of interest to you, you know, you definitely just want to do your research. Um, and there's plenty of legitimate companies that will sell you cryptocurrency. So you can go through one of these exchanges, such as like Coinbase, which is publicly traded. You know, I myself, you know, I I hold some cryptocurrency on Robinhood and on SoFi. Those are those are those are two. Um, I know Robinhood's been in the news a lot lately, though, and people are not very happy with with Robinhood. What'd so, they do? Uh, what's that whole GameStop? The okay. whole GameStop thing. I think that they they were putting limitations on how many shares of stock you could buy in GameStop, AMC, and some of these other meme stocks just because they were going crazy. Um, Is that legal? Buying and selling. To I, put a I have limit no, on it. Yeah, I don't know, but I think that's where. And I haven't really read. The whole thing, so I don't really know a lot about what. But I I think that's basically what they've. What but if doing. you've got companies like okay, let's say um, Edward Jones, they're selling 
you know, a portfolio, a stock portfolio, would they include a, a cryptocurrency in that? Or could they? They might. I know some ETFs, some ETFs and some mutual funds are starting to hold a certain percentage of their holdings in cryptocurrency. So I think it's something you could probably Google and figure out which companies, which mutual funds have cryptocurrency as part of that mutual fund. And I think that's also a way to diversify your portfolio. Well, and Cherry, you know, the, the, the trend we're going is this is becoming more and more, um, accepted and more normalized. I mean, and, and, um, look at where the Super Bowl was played this last year. It was at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. And that's the company that Mike just mentioned. They, right. I mean, that five that's, years ago, that never would have happened. But these companies are becoming more and more prevalent and accepted. Um, the, the Staples Center in Los Angeles is no longer the Staples Center. It's like crypto. It's the crypto.com arena or. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just showing you how, how we're moving in this direction. So, okay. How do you report this on your taxes? You've got, you've got all this crypto stuff going on that you can't put your hands on. How do you report it on your taxes? So it's much like, much like a stock. I mean, if you buy it, you know, if you bought it back in, 2013 or whatever for $300 and you still hold it today, you know, you'd have to check the box that says, I know now IRS is asking, do you have crypto? So you would definitely want to check that box that, yes, I have crypto. But if you didn't sell it, then there's really no taxable event. It's so only it's, taxable if you sell it. See, this is where you need a Mark Barnes from Copper Canyon Tax Service. <laughs> he he knows all about this, and he he was on. He was talking about it, but I it went right over my head. So I have no clue what you just said. Yeah. So once you sell it, <laughs> right? So once you sell it, that's when we actually have a taxable taxable. Yeah, okay. Sell what it if it's a loss? Sell it, and well, then you have a loss, just much like a stock. If if you bought. You know, if you bought Amazon stock a few months ago at three thousand, and now it's at two thousand, then you have a thousand dollars. So it's the same. It's the same thing. Um, so there's a place on your tax form where you can say, "Okay, I bought all this crypto stuff, and it disappeared," and you can take a loss. Yep. I think it's yeah, it's the same with your capital gains and losses, which I believe is a Schedule D, but don't quote me, even though I'm a CPA on that. <laughs> so let me let me just jump. I, I have my laptop here today, on, and on IRS.gov we have a page called Virtual Currencies, and it and it has a few, um, you know, it's a, a full page of information, and then there's a section on tax consequences, and there's there's a lot of frequently asked questions. So if, if you're someone out there who does own cryptocurrency and you don't know if it's taxable or not and you're not sure, you need to do a little research. So start here on irs.gov. And then also, if you're still not sure, talk to a professional, someone talk, like Mark or Mark. some other really good CPA or enrolled agent here in town. Yeah, you want you want a CYA. Have your CPA CYA your tax returns. Exactly. <laughs> it's like I wouldn't want to go to jail because of something you missed on your tax return. Well, so, we don't we don't people don't go to jail for a mistake. We have to show intent on the criminal side. A lot of times a lot of stuff on the IRS is handled through a correspondence audit and just matching up and verify but like Mike had mentioned Starting, I think it was last year, right on the front page of the tax return, it says, did you own or sell, buy any virtual, virtual currency? currency. Cur so, and then a few years ago, the IRS actually started sending out letters to people that we knew were dealing in high volumes of cryptocurrency and basically saying, um, yeah, we're aware of this, 
please make sure that you're um, reporting any taxable event. So there's a little leniency there while people are on the learning curve, or you better learn it before you do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. I mean, report all your income. If you have a tax event, report it. Because if not, then you might get audited, and um, and especially for someone on the huge volume list, make sure you report all your income. You know, but for Mike and I, our main focus for our agency, IRS Criminal Investigation, and our law enforcement partners, we are actually we're not looking for the you know a mistake or an oversight. We're looking for criminals who are committing, selling, buying and selling, committing uh, criminal activity. And using going on the dark net and using virtual currency to do it. Those are where our focus on our cyber crimes are. Okay. Are you guys hiring? We are. We absolutely are hiring. We're hiring special agents, and we've been picking them up all year long and interviewing people. So it's on USA USAjobs.gov and IRS special agent, and uh, we are hiring like crazy. We're looking for someone with a degree. Any major, 15 units of accounting and a U.S. citizen, and uh, those are just the basic requirements. And then it's a a very competitive process. Okay. With your special agent kind of a job, do you have to do the the training like law enforcement has to run a mile without, you know, collapsing and do all these push-ups? Do you guys do the same thing? So we, yeah, so our agents, we go through a physical to make sure that you... You're in good shit, you know, healthy, you don't have heart issues, vision, all that stuff, hearing. Um, but then we send our people down to our academy, which is the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. Where's that? Uh, uh, Brunswick, Georgia. It's um, coastal Georgia near St. Simons Island. Okay. And a lot of agencies go there. And it's a it's a former naval base. It's been converted to, as we affectionately call FLETC, the acronym. And we send our special agents down there for six months. And they do everything. You learn how to be a federal law enforcement agent. You learn how to shoot a gun. You learn how to arrest people, um, how to execute a search warrant. And that's kind of like the first half of the class. And then the, the, we go to, go to a second class. So the second part of the training is much more IRS criminal investigation specific, how we conduct investigations, how we interview people, how we, how we gather information. Um, it's, it's, it's a very cerebral job. And you so, like your job? I love my job. Oh, yeah, I love my job. And, and just, uh, you know, one thing, I, I guess, to add to Brian, they, they do teach you everything you need to know when you go down there. I mean, before I went to Fletzy, I had never shot a gun before, and I was and I was pretty scared, um, if I'm being totally honest. And I think the first time I shot, I shot a twenty two out of 150, which is not good. <laughs> no. But, uh, but you know, I've come a long way since then. And, you know, like, like he said, they teach you everything you need to know. It's a great job. I, I love my job, too, and... You know, I've traveled all over the country, all over the world, and with working these cases, and it's it's just been a great job. I want to thank you both for coming on and and shedding light on this dark web. And I've learned a lot. I'll have to digest this a little <laughs> bit before I realize how much I really learned. But thank you for coming on. Next week we've got the FBI coming on. We're going to be talking about sextortion. And until then, next week, shop local, stay safe. We'll see you then.